Treks in Sci-Fi podcast, episode number 683 for Sunday, May 20th, 2018. This is Jeff, Jedi Jeff, and this week I am guest hosting the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. First off, I'd like to thank Rico for giving me a chance to guest host again. Always appreciate when he uh, asks me to guest host and allows me to talk about a topic that I have some interest in. So uh, thanks again, Rico, for uh, passing me the keys this week to the uh, podcast. Uh, greatly appreciated. Today I'm going to uh, be talking about... The Jupiter 2. I thought it might be a bit of a timely topic um, given the uh, recent um, Netflix series that was um, released uh, for Lost in Space. Uh, An updated version of Lost in Space um, was uh, recently released on Netflix, I think uh, back in April, I believe. And um, I thought, yeah, this would be a good time to uh, talk about one of my favorite ships, the Jupiter 2. And I'll, I'll talk uh, mostly about the um, kind of the original series, Jupiter 2, as that one seems to have most of the information about it. But I'm also going to discuss a bit about the Jupiter 2 in the new mo- or the new TV series on Netflix. And then also I'll touch on the um, Jupiter 2 from the, um, the movie as well from the 1990s. So I guess I'm going to start off, and um, I think I'm going to just um, maybe just uh, give a quick few um, thoughts on the new Netflix um, Lost in Space TV series. Um, just a, a few quick uh, random thoughts about it. Um, uh, I'll be honest, I, I never actually realized there was going to be a Lost in Space uh, TV series. I didn't even know they were making a, a re-imaging of, of the show until um, I actually... Uh, probably about a month and a half before the uh before the actual uh series uh, premiered um I saw a uh, trailer video for it on uh, YouTube and uh then um I was kind of surprised I go I didn't I didn't realize that uh, so anyways I watched it and I'll be honest um my first impressions uh I wasn't all that excited about it um I just felt um Felt maybe some of the characterizations of some of the characters um, uh, didn't seem to sit all that well with me. And um, I guess sometimes, too, um, when they re-image uh, certain characters, uh, I, I just feel, 
uh, sometimes I, I don't feel those characters necessarily to be need to be reimaged, and and then sometimes I, I feel and I understand, and maybe this is a bit of my own bias, maybe, but um, sometimes they got to reimage them so they appeal to uh, you know kind of a uh, um, to to the people or the generation of of uh, people who are watching this series now and and maybe not have watched the original um, Lost in Space series. So I just felt. Um, yeah, like say some of the characterizations, um, like say maybe um, notably, like say uh, the Robinson family, um, they they seemed a little bit different. And uh, so, anyways, um, I, I watched the trailer, and then I think I watched a few other th- promotional items, and then I I said, oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to watch the show. I was going to watch it anyways, but uh, I'll admit uh, when I started watching the uh, show after the first or second episode i uh, i kind of all my kind of um concerns or whatever i i kind of put pushed aside uh i was able to uh kind of get into the story so kind of some of the things i had about the characterization i, I was able to put aside that said i there's still some of that characterization on some of the characters yeah wasn't wasn't really the greatest at least to my to me i could it didn't really resonate very well with me um namely i would say um i i felt that the uh, most of the characters i felt given that they're updated like maureen robinson um you know in this uh, netflix series uh she has much more uh to do in this series than than the original character did in the tv series the original character in the TV series was really stereotyped into like kind of a 1960s uh, mom just kind of watching after the kids and uh, doing the um, doing kind of the motherly chores of like cooking and cleaning and gardening and things like that uh, you know so you know that uh, you know like say they couldn't have like a, a female character kind of doing that and, and nor should they today you know because we're in, living in a different uh, time um, so this uh, new Maureen Robinson is She's like an engineer, and she's kind of the head of the Robinsons clan. She's the one who's kind of driving the mission, and and kind of um, I wouldn't say giving out orders, but she's kind of the one in charge. And she's an engineer uh, with a lot of uh, technical background behind her. So she's like 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 the main person, I guess. You know, on the for the Robinson family, uh, I guess another um, character um, like John Robinson. Um, there's a little bit of a change for him and I'm not sure if I liked it a lot. They just kind of, uh, built him up as kind of a, he's kind of more of a military man or a soldier. And then he's kind of estranged from the family as well. So, um, it looked like, uh, you know, maybe the family dynamics weren't very good and that Maureen and, and John were actually, uh, looking to, uh, break up, um, cause they just, um, didn't have a good family life and uh i'll admit at the start of the series i i didn't really uh i didn't really care for that storyline um i just i i'm not a big i'm not big into kind of that type of drama kind of family drama and and people working through relationship stuff that's not never really been a big uh never been all that appealing to me in in tv shows and movies um i I don't like the. It feels maybe too real life to me, and uh, and it's just it's not something that interests me. 
But um, that said, it it seems like as the series went on, which was ten episodes, uh, you know, the family became came more and more together. So, uh, which is great, and which is what I was kind of more hoping for. So it kind of uh, makes me uh, feel um, you know a bit more positive, uh, looking forward to the next season. That maybe the Robinson family will be working more as a team than and possibly instead of against each other. So, anyways, that's kind of my feeling about. Uh, I guess mother and father, I guess. And um, another big uh, characterization change I found too was for Judy Robinson. Like in the show, she was a, in the original um, TV show, she was just more of a pleasant girl, which kind of helped her mother, um, you know, run things around the ship and all that. But again, this, this Judy Robinson, she's actually, um, she's, uh, she's not even um, like John Robinson's daughter. She's kind of his adopted daughter or whatever, because um, Maureen Robinson had her in another relationship, but this Judy Robinson has got a very strong, um, strong independent personality to her. She's a doctor. Um, she's got a lot going on for her. Um, she commands a lot of respect and it's kind of, uh, you know, again, it's a good characterization, a strong character, uh, kind of really appreciate it. And, um, Will Robinson, um, he's, pretty much will robinson from the original one um they made him out to be maybe a little more um he's i guess maybe he's got some physical uh setbacks or whatever like um he's not as strong as the other family like say he's just he's not as healthy uh he's not as healthy because i think he was a newborn baby so so they kind of make him out to be maybe a bit on the you know no, I don't want to say needy side, but uh, like I say, he's just not—he's not, he's not a, a strong young young boy, I guess. So, and uh, that's that's okay. But for the most part, you know, he's a smart kid and all that, and he kind of lines up with uh, Will Robinson. The only character from the Robinson family I didn't um, really care much for was Penny. I I just found her character characterization was more of that of um, you know just. Uh, very stereotypical like teenage girl um and i don't feel they just didn't serve that character very well i i found the penny in the original um lost in space series was uh, i felt a much better developed character um than than this one like i'm hoping maybe in the next uh, season that uh, maybe they um give this character a little bit more to do and maybe she's not quite the kind of the snarky teenager type kind of girl with always like a snarky comeback um eh, i don't know i guess uh for some of the other major characters in the series too like uh, don west um quite a bit different from the original don west this don west is he's not really a major and he's not really a pilot he's more of a kind of mechanic and it, it sounds like in this uh this version of lost in space there's a some sort of class system and he's not of uh He's of a lower class, so uh, they kind of make him out to be a bit of uh, almost. I, I don't want to use the word scoundrel, but in a bit, he's kind of he's kind of just looking for and you know making money and uh, you know making his life better. Uh, kind of through kind of I won't say devious, but just through kind of different ways. You know, kind of like kind of just slightly below the law or whatever and um i don't know he, he's also kind of the comedic relief in the show and uh i 
he's okay, I guess. I thought it was okay. Like he's an okay character. I guess it makes it fun. I'm not sure if I I guess I maybe as I'm more partial to the original Don West characterization, but um that said, I, I found that he's this this Don West is kinda of growing on me, so um uh, like I say I'm looking forward to his character character's growth uh, uh moving forward. I guess the other character and I didn't really care for the uh they recast the Doctor Smith as a lady and which is fine, but I just found the way they played Doctor Smith I, I felt was maybe more evil and uh than maybe how I envisioned Doctor Smith because Doctor Smith from the original um you know T V series He's not as uh, he's more to me a, like a selfish guy or looking out for his best interests. He'll do things which will put the Robinson family in um, in peril, but uh, to me, it, it's more because he's just furthering his best interest. Um, and if it just happens that that kind of messes over the Robinsons family, then so be it. But I don't feel like he's going out of the way to like actually hurt that hurt them. He just wants. You know whatever's best for him. Whereas this Doctor Smith, I, she just comes across just more mean and uh, and uh, like I say, I, I just feel like some of her actions are are more done to maybe hurt people more so than just to um, further her best interests. So uh, I say, so I, I just uh, I don't really care for the uh, character. I guess she's supposed to be the villain, but I just uh, for whatever reason it just. I don't really care for her character. Anyways, those are kind of my thoughts on um, Lost in Space. I'll also touch a bit on the robot, I guess, as well, too, because that's a major character. And uh, this robot in the new Lost in Space series, he kind of reminds me of a lot of maybe some of these uh, robots and droids and artificial intelligence that we see in some of these uh, newer... Um, TV shows and and movies and this this robot like I know it's tough the original one was basically a big giant like barrel or whatever tin barrel or steel barrel like you know so you're going to have to the design of this one's going to have to be much different cuz the the original one just isn't feasible for you know this day and age but that that original one ha- had real character and I'm really struggling to find out like if with this new robot doesn't seem to have much character and it's not his own character, which uh, I don't know. He's just not a strong character. So I, I'm not sure I like say he hasn't really grown on me, but I I guess I'll leave it at that (laughs) anyway. So those are a bit of my thoughts on, on the new lost in space series. Now I'm going to switch over to what my main topic is, is I'm going to talk about the Jupiter 2. And uh, the Jupiter 2 is the uh, the spaceship that the Robinsons use throughout the different series and movies. So the Jupiter 2 was the, the ship that they piloted uh, in the original 1960s series. And then in this new Netflix series, uh, the Robinsons are also uh, piloting uh, Jupiter 2 as well. So... Uh, um, and then in the movie as well too, it's a Jupiter too. So I guess it's um, throughout the series, it's always been the Jupiter two, and that's good that they keep that up. And to me, I'll be honest, the Jupiter two is one of my most favorite um, spaceships out there. I feel it's an iconic uh, spaceship. Um, 
just like uh, I would think of like the original series Enterprise or like uh, like some of the Star Wars ships like the Millennium Falcon or, you know, the Eagle from Space 1999. Um, just it's an iconic ship to me. And it's a maybe what maybe captures my eye so much about the original uh, Jupiter 2 is it's got such a simple design. It's basically a flying saucer. And, um, you know, usually when you think of uh, designs of a ship like that, you usually don't think of like human, you know, ships that are are, are from like Earth or, or human-based ships. Because um, usually these types of ships, you know, you kind of associate them with Martians or something like that. And, you know, from, from kind of all those 1960s and 50s uh, classic sci-fi uh, movies, you know, a lot of the lo- those kind of flying saucers or ships, some um, kind of kind of look similar to this one. So every time, you know, so when I see this off off the top of my head, you know, like say it just it reminds me of of a more Martian looking type kind of ship than it, it does like a human ship. So I I find that that that's interesting because you know this is a human ship, and so like maybe that's what makes it so interesting to me is that it's. You know, it's a ship that was created by humans. And then in the TV series, we see it week in, week out, you know, so you get quite familiar with it. So um, the design, I guess, like say, is just so simplistic. And um, I got talk a little bit about the details on the ship. Um, I'll be honest, like the other ships, like the one from the movie and the one from the new Netflix series, there's not a lot of details out there about it. So it's hard to talk about it beyond just um it's hard to talk about it just beyond just giving my um impressions on it because like say that it they haven't really ever been documented and i guess like with the movie i'm guessing the producers or the writers or whatever they never bothered to you know you know flesh anything out for the the ship and then um i guess with the tv series um i'm hoping this Netflix TV series, I'm hoping over time that they'll they'll um, maybe come out with some more details on the ship um, because I'd be really interested. Anyways, um, so I'm going to talk a bit about the classic here, Jupiter 2. Um, a few kind of notes about the uh, Jupiter 2. The Jupiter 2 um, stands over two stories tall. So it's basically it's got two levels to it and it weighs uh, just over a million pounds. So, eh, it's a, I don't know, it's, it's kind of, uh, maybe that's the charm of of the, of Lost in Space, like the original one was, um, it was an Irwin Allen um, production, so he was kind of known for uh, making really cheesy shows, and uh, this Jupiter 2, like, uh, like, from episode to episode, you know, it's just the, the scale of it was all over the place, and uh, to me, when I look at the ship, it doesn't look like a two-story um, ship to me. It looks like a, it looks like a, a one, a one-floor ship. And I guess originally, in the original pilot, it was called the Gemini Twelve, and it was a, it just had one floor to it. But uh, you know, um, when they they start production on Lost in Space and, and renamed the ship the Jupiter Two, they decided to go with two levels, and um, which is is fine. Um, like say, but the ship just looking at it, just, you know, you look at like the bridge area or the cockpit area and they've got like a big kind of, um, glass area and it just, 
I just to me, I just can't see a a second floor to it. I just don't see where it would house that. And likewise with the, uh, they have like a, an entrance for it. One entrance, they actually have multiple entrances, but the main entrance is they have a kind of a air hatch or a door on the, on the top level. And then they have a ramp, which goes down, which allows the, um, Robinson family to enter and exit the ship when they're on, on planet side. But to me, like, I just, I don't see like where, um, where you can get like two floors out of this, but Again, that's the charm of the show. Like, say, the inside of the ship looks much bigger than what the uh, outside would be. So anyways, the upper level contains um, all the flight monitoring systems, propulsion, navigation, spectrometry, radar, communications, and computers. In addition, the artificial gravity, cabin pressure, and climate control systems are also monitored and controlled from the uh, upper level. Um, there's six cryonic suspended animation freezing chambers that were provided for the Robinsons and Major West to survive um, their voyage when they went to interstellar space with virtually no no aging. Um, so they had six, but uh, you know they had a reluctant stowaway, I guess, and uh, Doctor Smith as well. So um, so they don't have enough for everyone, I guess is the is the word there, eh? Um, what else do we got here? Um, uh, an airlock provides egress from the vehicle's main hatch to a non-compatible environment. Um, so I guess, again, that's the um, airlock I was talking about before, which they uh, enter and uh, exit. Um, there's two additional um, hatches on either side um, and an elevator glide to to provide access to the tool and spacesuit storage area and to the area of the space spot. Um, there's also a uh, there's also a, a ladder and an elevator which um, is used to go between the levels of the ship. Um, so you'll see them throughout the different uh, um, episodes. Like uh, either depending on the character or the the scene in the show, they'll either use the you know the elevator or the ladder. You know, someone like the robot B nine, he's going to have to use the elevator because he he can't climb up and down um, the the ladder. But um, you know, like a Someone like Will Robinson, you'll see him using the ladder quite often. Uh, so the lower level contains the uh, propulsion machinery, um, direct access to the uh, atomic propulsion system. So they have these atomic uh, uh, propulsion uh, engines, um, and that's gained through a hatch next to the elevator tube. Um, it also has a fully equipped galley for food storage and preparation, a scientific laboratory, uh, auxiliary control center, um, a laundry room and laboratory, um, three staterooms, um, a centrally located magnetic lock service as a base station for the um, to the uh, spacecraft's environment control robot, you know, the robot B9, um, as well too um, in the interior the spacecraft is the uh, smaller excursion vehicles such as the space pod and the chariot. Um, that said, how they are able to fit all that stuff into that ship, that's, I don't know. That's, I guess, again, it was the 60s, and, uh, you know, we just have to kind of uh, let that go. I just, I can't see it, but that's just me. Um, a bit more about this ship is it has an anti-gravity anti drive system that was designed to be used for a vehicle liftoff and touchdown Um they say the anti-gravity drive consumes 250 megawatts of full power and is capable of delivering 10 Gs of acceleration. 
Um, in terms of the Earth's gravitational field at sea level, this translates to uh, 55,000 pounds of thrust. So it's got a bit of thrust to, and it's going to need to, I guess, to, you know, you know, get off of planets and all that. Uh, that said, the engine is relatively compact with the major space requirement being for a circular track in the lower region of the spacecraft, which houses the Thompson Unitectic Gravity Field Projector. Visible light is given off by off as a byproduct of each revolution of the g- generated field. The anti-grav anti-gravity drive is throttled back when uh, they pull off. Gravity on the spacecraft is less than one twentieth the Earth's gravity at sea level. Um, anyways, so so that's they're talking about. Uh, if you have seen the show, like when they're traveling and the um, the thrusters are going. It's got the, these little lights which go spinning around and creates a really, um, really interesting um, kind of effect there. And uh, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I think it's, it's really cool. Kind of an in- interesting note they did put in here. I was reading some notes on one of the wiki pages. As they said, when the ship is running at uh, 100% thrust, um, all the personnel need to be in those, uh, they're assigned... Um, you know, kind of cryogenic tubes, or it could cause permanent brain damage. But if the uh, ship runs at uh, 80% power, then it's safe. And if none of the crew are in the, um, none of the crew are in their uh, cryogenic um, pods and they ask for 100% uh, power, then uh, as a built-in safety mechanism, they'll only get 80% of the power. So not to... um, uh, encounter, uh, I guess, brain damage. Um, some other in- information here. The deep space propulsion is accomplished by two deuterium annihilation atomic motors. So their parent, so they use a uh, basically atomic motors um, powered by uh, deuterium, um, which is I'm not. It's a lot of uh, technical stuff here, but anyways, they're using these atomic. Uh, Atomic motors, I guess, to kind of uh, thrust themselves uh, through space, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, they also say that testing the early prototype engines revealed that the deuterium annihilation process becomes unstable at more than 80% of maximum. So so it seems like, yeah, there is some limitations on those engines. Um, also, the uh, Jupiter 2 also has, it's it's got some uh, defensive, offensive and defensive uh, weapons um, are included as well on this ship um, in case they inhabit uh, planets with uh, hostile life forms. Um, they've got uh, handheld uh, pistols and they got, they got uh, laser, laser held pistols like rifles and uh, pistols. Um, so they've got a bunch, but. Um, oddly enough, again, it's a 1960s show. I, I remember one of the episodes, Dr. Smith actually gave away all the weapons, but then they seem to have acquired them again uh, a little later on. They're kind of interesting weapons. Uh, I remember when I went to the um, to the uh, Seattle uh, Sci-Fi Museum a few years ago, um, they actually had some of the uh, Lost in Space uh, weapons on uh, display. I believe they had one of the uh, rifles on display. It was uh, It's kind of a... It's a real 60s looking type uh, um, weapon, but it was kind of cool. The Jupiter 2 also has a force field projector on it, so, um, and so it can uh, protect the Robinson's family from, um, from um, 
you know, you know, uh, either environmental or other types of uh, uh, threats to them. Um, it's controlled by the main console on the upper deck. Um, so, and says a more powerful extended perimeter force field projector was packaged aboard the spacecraft for once um, they reached uh, Alpha Centauri. Um, this device can protect the campsite up to a range of 100 feet. So, so they've got enough. Um, I guess they've got enough to uh, protect themselves. Uh, what else? Uh, a few other notes. Um, the uh, navigation guidance system consists of three components, an NGS scanner, an inertial navigation gyroscope, and a computer vector and computer vector software. The NGS scanner protrudes from the access hatch in the spacecraft's titanium hull. The scanners locate three reference stars, Alpha Centauri, A, Sirius, and Sol, um, relative to the mean galactic plane and supplies their location to the computers the scanner also monitors the procession of recession of the reference to the stars by measuring the doppler shift in of the star's light so that's kind of cool that they um you know they kind of throw in a little bit of science uh behind it um i'm sure like a, a person who's more well well read in science would probably uh, be able to um probably you know just rip this all to th- shreds but it's kind of in, it's kind of cool that they they try and um you know put a little bit into it uh the next thing i'll talk about about is the uh i found interesting because i work in computers and they're talking a bit about the computers on the uh, jupiter 2 and they say it has uh, three main computer systems which provide 99.9999999 percent reliability so almost 100 percent, but not quite hey eh? and uh these sound like uh, they're quite the uh, computers. Each computer has 100 megabytes of core memory, which are fully protected via hard disk and tape drive, a 64-bit microprocessor capable of processing over 100 or a million commands per second is at the heart of each computer. Up to 200 separate data channels can be multiplexed for recording on the vector's tape transport Human interface is all but unnecessary due to the computer's advanced design. Well, it doesn't sound all that advanced to me, but, uh, you know, 100 megabytes of core memory. Well, you know, that's uh, not very much nowadays. So, uh, but uh, again, this does make bad in this back in the 60s. So I guess they're kind of projecting off of how they could. So anyways, I, I think this is of all the kind of the technical details I, I kind of really going to talk about on this ship. Um like say it's again it's an interesting looking ship and um like i say uh, uh like say i like it i'll talk a little bit briefly here about um the ship from the movie and then the ship from the new tv series and the ship from the movie looks a lot different than uh the ship from uh the tv series like the original tv series like it doesn't even really look like a flying saucer. Um, it's got some, like it's got a very organic look to it. And it does got kind of a thruster on the bottom of it. But uh, for the most part, uh, it's not really reminiscent of the original at all. And uh, it's an interesting ship, but in my opinion, kind of a forgettable ship. Uh, so it's just, uh, I don't know. It's okay. Um, but like I say, it's not one I would ever really remember, 
And then I felt they did a much better job with the Jupiter 2 in the uh, new Lost in uh, Space uh, TV series on Netflix. It's kind of a mix between the movie one and then the original TV series one. It, it does got a lot of that um, kind of flying saucer look to it. And I like just from kind of some of the sets and all that in the show, it, it feels like, you know, it's got like, you know, a couple levels, two or three levels and... They've kind of rationalized it a lot better on where they store, like kind of like the chariot, and um, you get a better sense of scale on it. And then they've also have some kind of throwbacks too, like they, the main area on the where the Robinsons sit, uh, you know, as a family unit, kind of harkens back to the, kind of the design of the the original Jupiter Two. And then the rooms look to seem to be kind of um, around around that area. So again, it, it feels very reminiscent of. Um, of the uh of the the tv series one it's got some rockets in the back as well too so it's a little different in that sense but to be honest i really like the the what they've done with this new updated version of the jupiter 2 for this uh tv series and um i'm kind of hoping that they'll, they'll release more information about it uh you know over time as uh it's certainly a ship i certainly would like to learn more uh, about um like i say it's got a really nice uh, look to it and uh, it was kind of interesting as well too because um in the movie and uh you know in the tv series you know it's like they're focused on the jupiter too but in this new tv series this netflix one there's multiple jupiter uh ships because they all kind of crashed on the same planet when they're um uh escaping from you know from their their mothership the resolute i believe um when that came under attack and uh so it was um Kind of interesting to see uh, the Robinsons uh, kind of um, talking with other members from uh, other uh, Jupiter ships. And it seemed like the, each ship was kind of uh, meant for a family, um, which is kind of cool. Um, so that the ships weren't like overloaded with people or, or things like that. So I thought it was interesting. I'm just going to briefly uh, finish up here now. I'm just going to talk a bit about a couple um, Jupiter 2 um Items that a person could possibly uh, look for. Um, there's not a lot um, I could ever find. Um, there might be toys from over the years, but uh, a couple of ones that I have is, uh, first off, I'm going to talk about the Mobius Models Jupiter 2. This was a model that uh, they released uh, probably about, oh, I think about six or seven years ago. Um, they released it, and it's a beautiful-looking model. Like, if you look on YouTube, there's a lot of mo model makers who have built this, and uh, beautiful-looking model. It's 135th scale, so it's it's got good size to it. Um, it's 18 inches in diameter, so it's a, it's a big uh, ship. I bought one, and I'm looking to build it at some point. Um, I haven't got around to it yet. Um, I just want my modeling skills to be a bit better, but... Um, it's it's a nice looking uh, kit and I I also bought the uh, lighting kit for it as well too because I want to get all the lighting up especially that that uh, propulsion uh, system uh, lighting I'm really uh, like to get that all done and then it comes with a lot of um, um, uh, photo etch parts brass photo etch parts um, aftermarket kits there's lots of aftermarket stuff that uh, you can get to really uh, um, put into the Jupiter two and make it really accurate and then. So, like, say the the outside of the ship is is pretty um, plain looking, but the inside is, 
you know, a lot of details in that. And they've got those big kind of viewport windows that you can look into. So it's a, it looks like it will be a fun build when I finally get around to it, which I hope is in the next year or so. Um, like I say, once I, my skills have um, kind of uh, built up to a, a spot where I feel comfortable building it. Another um, model I have is uh, one I bought at a toy show uh, years ago, and that's the, the Jupiter 2 from the uh, 90s movie. Again, like I said, it's not a ship that I, it's not a favorite of mine, that that model, but I felt it was interesting to to buy it and uh, build it um, just so I could have it beside the um, the original series uh, Jupiter 2. Um, it was a kit which was released back in the 90s from uh, AMT Ertl, and uh, it's no longer in print, but uh, I'm sure you could find those on eBay or at toy shows. Like, I'm just looking at the the one I have right now, and um, it was only $20. So, uh, like I say, it wasn't very much, and that's $20 Canadian, so wasn't much at all. Like, the uh, the Jupiter, the Mobius Jupiter 2, like the one I bought, like... It's been a few years ago. It was about a hundred dollars. I'm not sure what they go for now, but uh, um, those a lot of these models, which are are kind of uh, cast now, they're so much uh, they fit together so much nicer and all that. So, like I say, when I get to this uh, Mobius Jupiter too, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that build. Anyways, I, I think um, I should probably wrap things up now on my topic here today. Um, I'd like to, I guess, um, thank Rico again for uh, allowing me a chance to guest host uh, the podcast uh, this week. I uh, always look um, forward to it and enjoy it. Um, I guess uh, I wish everyone, um, I hope you all have a great uh, spring and summer. Uh, looking forward to all the new movies coming out. I know that uh, I've seen the Avengers movie a few weeks ago and that was uh, uh, quite the movie to see and I'm still kind of processing some of what I saw there and then I'm looking forward to uh, next weekend and uh, the uh, the solo movie coming out that one looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, really looking forward to that um, so I'm hoping that everyone has a has a great spring and a great summer and um, we'll talk to everyone uh, soon thanks big shot gangster putting together crew you in we waited a long time for a shot like this. We need a ship. The Millennium Falcon. She needs a particular type of pilot. Watch it! These people are not your friends. There's a lesson to be learned here. I don't think I'm ever going to learn. Ready to 